0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're continuing our series that we started last week um, at the movies in 2018. And what we're doing is for the month of July, we chose three movies, to bring, to use as an illustration, much like when Jesus used illustrations in his parables uh, to bring out points, uh, pointing out principles in the word of God and reinforcing some life lessons for us. And this movie, I will 100% endorse. I believe everybody that And everybody should see this. But especially if you have children, especially grandparents, you know, do a little movie night, get the the grandchildren over, you know, spring for a pizza. And... uh, and do a little movie night and let them watch this. But this is one of the most powerful movies I've seen in a long time as far as the message that it brings out. So Wonder tells the story of Augie Pullman, a boy born with severe facial deformities who is about to enter the scary world of middle school. Starting middle school is hard enough for all children of course, but Augie has spent his elementary school years being homeschooled, so he's been kind of isolated from other children. We know what's going to happen. Augie, this is his first time that he'll be an extended period of time exposed to other children, and we know that there's going to be a lot of finger pointing, a lot of staring, a lot of mocking, and so it becomes something that's extremely intimidating. His parents are wrestling whether they've made the right decision or not to put him in school. His father actually comes out with a statement saying we're, it's like a leading a lamb to slaughter. and so. But they know that the boy is going to have to face the world at some point, and so, with lots of encouragement from them and from Augie's older sister Via, uh, and after a few tears, Augie enters Beecher Prep to start fifth grade. He meets he meets the principal a few days before school uh, starts and is greeted by a welcoming party of three fellow fifth graders that have the responsibility to show Augie around the school. These three tour guides are the byproducts of their own life experiences. The little girl is fully immersed in her own importance. She's very self-centered, but she has a heart. Julian is the product of two, and there's no other way for me to put this. When you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. He is a product of two egomaniacs for parents who suffer from the not-my-child syndrome. Anybody ever? Therefore, they have produced a rude, self-centered, junior egomaniac, because as the scriptures say, every seed reproduces after its own kind. Jack Wills is a boy with a heart who defends Augie, but will eventually turn on him due to peer pressure, as you would see. Um, It's a very difficult time of life. This movie uh, kind of just pulls at your heart and brings you back to times of maybe hurt in your own life. So let's draw our attention to the screen for this next clip. I could not help it, but when I watched this, I should watch the movie two times at least, besides watching other clips here. And this scene struck me as a, a, just a sober reminder of the responsibility we have in raising children. I mean, as grandparents, as parents, as, we need to do everything possible to fulfill Proverbs 20, two six: Train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Clearly, that young boy, Julian, is not the byproduct of a home where there's been love, where there's been acceptance, where there's been discipline, where there's been just guidelines of how you treat other people. It's just, when you see a child like that that has no filters, it's like, something's not right here. And I just pray that we don't fall for, for the philosophies of the world when it comes to raising our children. That we understand that the word of God is still the best guidebook And maybe you might think I'm just being unreasonable here, but when you see such a difference between the way children are being raised today and the way children have been raised years ago, there's a big difference. And my point is this. We're either going to raise saints or we're going to raise monsters. Both of them are going to affect their generation. It's our responsibility. I know this is just a movie, but how many of you you know children that act just as rude as this here? If not worse. I mean, just using crude language. Just no respect for adults, no respect for people in authority. And I, I'm not, you know, I, I hate to sound like a little grandpa on the front porch on a rocking chair. But I just, all I'm saying is let's, let's raise our level of awareness so that we don't produce children like that. Amen? The sad thing is that some people take better care of their gardens and lawns than they do nurturing and watering their children. Yeah, go ahead. You can say amen. So, let's get back to the movie. Augie's brief interaction here kind of lays the foundation and the groundwork for the way things are going to go from this point forward. We know what's coming. When he starts school, we see that most of the kids have no intention of interacting with Augie because the rumor has gone around school that if you even touch him, you can get the same plague. And so, it's, it's cruel, it's, um, unfortunately, it's honest. Some of the cruelest times of our lives were probably when we were children, suffering the, the, the darts and the arrows from other children. So, as time goes on, though, in the movie, Augie slowly begins, he kind of acclimates to life in middle school. Slowly but surely, he starts to win some friends through his charming personality and his intellect, his sense of humor. But then just as human nature would have it, some of the so-called friends eventually turn on Augie and cause him devastating pain. And one of the saddest parts in this movie is the next clip. Please draw your attention. I think worse than the cruelty that we just observed here is the statement that Augie made. On Halloween, I walk with my head up high. It's sickening to think that someone would have more freedom wearing a mask than walking in the reality of who they really are. And think about it. It's amazing how many people live and die behind masks to the point where they don't even know who they really are anymore. Masks are extremely dangerous. I wanna read you an excerpt from a book by Dr. Juliana Slattery. The name of the book is called Beyond the Masquerade, Unveiling the Authentic You. If you're in a hurry, you may not worry about leaving the house wearing a stained shirt or mismatched socks without brushing your hair or putting on makeup. But what if other people could see beyond your physical appearances and look at your insecurities, your pride, your shame, or your malicious thoughts? These are the kind of things our society urges you to cover up. After a while, you create masks to hide your true thoughts and feelings and present an image you hope will prove your worth. The longer you wear masks, the more comfortable they feel. But if you can't enjoy You can't enjoy relationships, healthy relationships, unless you remove the mask and show others who you really are. Realize the price of the mask that you wear. Understand that your masks prevent you from experiencing intimacy with God. Rather than trying to impress God, pursue an honest and intimate relationship with Him while relying on His strength. Know that your masks are preventing you from pleasing God. Instead of vying for other people's approval and praise, live to please God alone. No matter what others think of you, shift your focus from establishing your identity on earth to becoming a disciple of Jesus. Man, that's power-packed. We think we get away with it. And we do, amongst ourselves. Typically, we come to church, and we subconsciously see, without realizing, on the way here, you realize, you know, because you come to a specific service probably every week and there's a specific group of individuals and people that come every week at this service and so you know you're gonna run into that one and this one the other one. And so we subconsciously begin to formulate within our minds the conversations we're gonna have if given the opportunity. How are you doing? Oh, fine, I'm blessed. God has just been so good to me. Everything's wonderful, you know. When I sneeze, glitter comes out. It's like <laughs> I cleaned that one up good, didn't I? So we really never get, in, get, get a chance to know each other. And this, of any place, should be a safe haven. Augie's sister makes a statement in the movie. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. And we were born to stand out. However, because of our deformities, whether they're deformities of the soul, deformities of things that we've suffered, maybe just physical injuries or physical, there's not too many of us that really look the way we would want to look. And so we create an image. We paint it, we decorate it. We have multiple masks and images, costumes, depending on what crowd you're gonna be with. And we make sure that we get into that closet, put that mask on, put that costume on before we're gonna go with whatever group of people we happen to be spending time with. And it's dangerous. I remember many years ago, and a young man that worked for me, who had given his life to Christ. He's coming to church, part of the youth group, a whole bit. And then I made a very, very fatal mistake. I hired one of his friends who didn't know he was a Christian. And I watched as his worlds began to collide because the friend wasn't used to seeing the image and the mask of the Christian. I was not used to seeing the mask and the image of the secular person. And it caused the relationship to explode in anger. And my heart broke as I realized this person had been wearing a mask all the time and we really didn't know who he was. If we would make this scripture I'm about to read to you, the foundation for our life, it would help us to navigate through those emotions to navigate through that process of getting rid of the phoniness and getting rid of the images and the masks so that God has freedom to come in and do what he needs to do, to bring us to a healthy place. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse six is where I wanna get to. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he, God, made us accepted in the beloved Jesus. You have been accepted no matter what your life was like before, no matter what battles you may still be fighting, no matter what struggles you're involved in, no matter what deformities, no matter what has plagued you, this scripture tells us that even before the foundation of the earth, his desire is that we would be holy, that we would be set apart, that we would be in a position of of, of righteousness and that it was his goodwill, his good pleasure. Now, let's back this up a little because we want to bring some balance here. Just because God has accepted us with all our flaws, our character weaknesses, all of these things, does not mean that we are free to just go about and live a life that's displeasing to him. We need to make that point very clear. We have a responsibility. We have an obligation. But when we realize, and when we Take the truth out of this scripture and make it just emblazoned on our heart the fact that we have been accepted in the beloved. flaws and all, dirt and all, sin and all, He's accepted us. That just because He's accepted us doesn't mean he wants us to stay there. There should be something on the inside of us that's striving to become more like Jesus. To distance ourselves more and more from what life was in the past. Now, we all have our stuff. But I think it's, 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 it's about an attitude of heart. Yeah, yeah, I know you've accepted me, Father. I know you've accepted me, but this isn't acceptable to me. I want change. I want to get out from behind the masks. I want to be free to be who I am. And I don't mean that in a, in a sense that's ungodly. Many of us are pressured on our jobs and our families and our neighborhoods. We wear the, we wear the mask when we're with everybody else that we're just like them. And then when we come to church, we put the mask on that we're just like church people. We need to be free. To be able to declare to the world, no, this is who I am. Jesus died for me. Jesus thought I was good enough for him to sacrifice himself. And I have a message in my heart. And although I may look deformed, and my personality might be deformed, and my soul may be deformed, I want that message to shine very brightly in your life. Amen. We're accepted. We see in this movie that Augie's desperate search for love and acceptance. When you watch this movie, and those of you who have seen it, you know what I'm talking about it reawakens something on the inside of you. You start remembering, and, it, and I'm not saying this is necessarily good but, or, or painless, but it is a, it's part of a process. You start remembering when you were made to feel ugly, when you were made to feel unwanted, unloved, undervalued, and you still, your heart just goes out for this, this little boy. The Passion Translation First 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says love is a safe place of shelter. Now, now listen to me, okay? I know life on earth is not fair. And life on earth sometimes is very painful and very, very treacherous. And sometimes that safe place, that safe shelter, gets torn out from underneath us. I don't think there's any worse pain than when you're safe place. When I speak about safe place, I'm not talking about a room in a house. I'm talking about when you have a relationship that was safe or you thought it was safe. And you can be yourself. You can share your deficiencies. You can share your dreams. You can share your hurts and wounds and disappointments. And you know you feel safe in that relationship. And then something happens and tears the very foundation of that safe place out from underneath you. I don't know if there's any worse pain than that. I know that some of you here in this room have gone through the horrible pain of a divorce situation. You had a safe place at one time. You may be the one here That caused the foundation to be ripped out of that safe place in someone else's life. I don't know. I don't know that there's any worse worse pain than when a relationship that you thought was solid, all of a sudden you find out something has torn it. The hinges, the doors have just come off the hinges and things that were intimate, things that were confidential, all of a sudden are being spilled out in front of a court, in front of a judge, in front of strangers. I am so sorry if you've suffered that kind of pain. There is hope. Jesus knew the pain of that kind of betrayal. Psalm 41.9, pointing to the time when Jesus would come to her, said this. Describes everything that happened at the Last Supper. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. It is part of the sufferings of this life that he took upon himself so that we could find strength to forgive our betrayers. If Jesus could forgive his betrayer, we can forgive our betrayers. 1 Peter chapter 5 states this, verse 7. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Man, that, is, that brings so much comfort to know that. That we can, God says it's okay. Bundle it all up, all the hurts, all the wounds, all the betrayals, all the disappointments. Every time that the safe place was ripped out from underneath you, bundle that all together, bring it to me, cast it over on me, because I care for you. And if you go and research this in the original language, here's the picture that it kind of paints. It's saying to very carefully, with much thought, put it all together in a package. And then with careful aim, just cast it over to me. Much like I see my, my son Mark was a phenomenal basketball player. Phenomenal. He'd get on the, on the, on the floor and, and man, everybody just go wild. Here he comes, here comes Mark. Right. And he was just without effort. Just take his few little steps here. Set it up. Boom, three points. Next up, three points. I'd stand in the stands. I don't know, who did the, where did this kid come from? I can't even throw a ball. And, and every time I read the scripture, I think about all those games that I sat at and watched him. He, he didn't care who was cheering. He didn't care who was making He didn't care anything was going on. He was just focused on that basket, and he with intention. It looked easy, but he just blocked everything out, intentionally aiming for that basket. And that's the same picture I get here. Bundle it all up. Let it go. But then don't run at the bottom of the, of the foot of the basket to catch the ball and start dribbling again, and that's that's exactly what we do. As soon as the emotion lifts, as soon as the crisis passes, we go, okay, okay, God, I got it from here. That's not what we're supposed to do. Be sober, be be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, watch this, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, Now, that verse in Scripture right there can sound really cold, have you ever shared, you've been, maybe you've been in a crisis or something happened or whatever, you've gone through this, this horrible time and you share it with somebody and They go, "Um, I went through that already. I, got, I know three or four people right now that are going through the same thing. And you're there going, well, thank you very much. That really made me feel good right now <laughs> to know that somebody else is enduring the same horrible pain and frustration that I'm dealing with. That, that really helped me. And you know, if you're not careful, this scripture could say the same thing to you knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers. In other words, you're not the only ones going through this. There's a lot of people in the world going through this. Now, if you take it that way, it's contrary to the nature of God. What he's really saying is this. Be sober. Be vigilant. In other words, be aware of the enemy that you have, because he's going to try to use your circumstance to get you to entertain a victim's mentality. What does it mean when a person has a victim mentality? When a person has a victim mentality, they are convinced that they're the only one that's ever gone through that experience, they're the only one that has it that bad, that everybody else in the world has it easier, nobody knows what they're going through, and God our Father, who knows us and loves us, cares so much because he doesn't want us to entertain that victim mentality because when a person entertains a victim mentality, if God showed up in person, It couldn't change the situation, I'll tell you why. Because a person that entertains a victim mentality will defend the circumstance that they're going through. Will defend the fact that nobody else has it as bad as them. Will defend the fact that no matter what happens, this can't change, it's just the way it is. You don't understand, it's just so unfair. God does not want us to become that person. And if you've been that person in the past, I pray to God, that you drop the mask, allow him to come in, allow him to pour in the oil and the wine of healing, and get you to the place where your heart is whole again. There is a very hard truth in this life that you and I have got to acknowledge. Hurt people, comma, hurt people. It is a fact of life. When a person is hurt, a person is wounded, and they do not allow God to heal that wound and heal that hurt, you, no matter what mask you put on, no matter how nice you try to be, no matter how much you force yourself to be a nice person, you eventually are going to hurt the very ones that are closest to you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When we carry wounds and hurts, They literally become part of our personalities. And the truth is, in this movie, as an illustration, when you watch the entire movie, obviously we can't do that for time's sake, but when you watch the entire movie, you come to this conclusion. Every individual in Augie's life, including the parents, his sister, the people in school, his schoolmates, every one of them has unresolved issues. And every one of them are reacting and responding to this little boy through the filter of those wounds, of those hurts, of those unresolved issues. The offenses that they've suffered in their lives have now become the fuel that energizes their interaction with others. Have you ever been around people like that? You just, just the worst times. There's supposed to be great times of fellowship and great times of just getting together and enjoying each other. And sooner or later, the conversation is gonna turn to something cynical, is gonna turn to something very negative, is gonna turn to some kind of hurt or wound or offense or this or that or the other thing. Bitterness and resentment will kill your heart. Jesus warned of the dangers of offense. He even taught us the mechanics of how it works. And I'm telling you, if you don't get anything else out of today, learn this one because it amazes me i have 21 years of pastoring it amazes me no matter how much you teach on offense and the dangers of it even to the point I've seen people themselves who have taught the dangers of offenses to others as soon as there's an opportunity to get offended guess what happens they take it let's go to Matthew chapter 24 now Matthew chapter 24 Jesus is conducting a seminar it starts in the beginning of 24, it's all of 25, it ends in the beginning of 26, and he says seminar about what's going to happen in the last days before he returns. In the midst of this, right in the middle of this teaching, he drops a truth bomb that's like bam. He says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all na- nations for my namesake. Verse 10, follow me. Follow me on this path, and many will be Come on, guys, and many will be offended, step number one. Step number two, and will what? Betray one another. Step number three, and will hate one another. Let me ask you this question. Have you not seen this operating in your own life? You have the opportunity to get offended with somebody. If you don't catch it right there, what's the next thing you begin to do without even realizing it? You betray that person. I've seen it happen with husbands and wives one spouse or the other, gets offended. What's the first thing they do? They run for their phone and tell their family, tell their friends, tell everybody, you're not going to believe what he did to me. You're not going to believe what she did to me. What is that? Betrayal. If you don't catch it there, what's the next step? Hatred. Now all of a sudden, two people that shared a bed together, two people that brought children into this world, two people that shared their wounds, their hurts, and everything else before, shared their dreams, shared love, all of a sudden now, are on two separate sides of a courtroom, despising one another. And how did it start? With an offense. This little boy Augie in this movie had to learn that he he had to forgive every one of the individuals that mocked him, that hurt him, that betrayed him, that offended him. And it's not easy. When we get hurt, we've got to decide how we're going to navigate through the emotions to get to the other side. Because unresolved issues become the major trigger points of our personality. Do you ever have a situation where somebody said something, somebody did something, and it just affected you in just a way like, I can't even believe it. I had a situation happen like this just a few days ago. It's going to be very transparent with you. My wife and I were out. We were having a discussion about something, and she, she made a statement that if you were there, you would have went, no big deal. But when she made this statement, for some reason, it just triggered something in me, and I wigged out. Do we know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> to the point where while I'm wigging out, I'm thinking inside, what, what are you doing? What, what? Why did you react this way? Why did something that should have had this much of a response got this much of a response? So so we went home. You know, we got home. And I did what most husbands do. I walked in the house, got my keys, walked right back out of the house, and went back in the car again. (laughs) And went for a ride, just alone, just me and the Holy Ghost. And I said, "Uh, you're going to have to show me what what this is all, because this really took me out of left field. I I could not understand why I reacted the way I did. And then as if he was sitting in the front seat with me, it was like a file cabinet opened up, and I I remembered this, and remembered that, and remembered the other thing, and remembered this. and, And I realized that the statement she had made had triggered all of these reactions from issues that have never been resolved. They became triggers. It's not fair to the people that live live with us and and are in our lives to expect them to walk through a minefield that they don't know is there. And they never know when you're gonna step on that trigger and they're gonna have a full-blown explosion on their hands. It's not fair. Unresolved issues will always be your trigger points of your personality. And there are some things about life that you and I are not gonna be able to change. And so with honesty we need to face certain facts that that's the way it is. Let's go to video clip number four. The scars show us where we've been. The heart determines where we're going. Because the heart determines where we're going, then we better guard the condition of our heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do Flows from it. Passion translation says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. I have a wrap up question here. We're done. Are you going to continue to be the wounded person? If you're going to continue, God will let you. It's not His will but who let you, but if you're going to continue to be the wounded person, consider that you are probably going to continue to hurt, and you will also continue to be the source of hurt to others. Pray that you take this to heart today. I want everybody to stand. I'm going to make an invitation. I'm going to do it very quickly. Number one, are you willing today to put down the mask that everything is okay and let God come in and do what he needs to do to heal your heart, to heal your emotions? Are you ready to lay down the mask that hides the real you? No matter how ugly it might look, will you let God Heal those wounds. Restore your heart and cleanse even the sin that you may be holding on to. We need to get to the place that we trust God that every difficult and painful event, even though he was not the cause, that he can use every single difficulty, betrayal, wound, hurt, disappointment. He can use them for his glory, to equip you to impact someone else's life. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.